Hey, Vineyard family, it is time for announcements. I'm going to be telling you guys there's a lot going on this month, and uh, it's going to be all fun stuff. So on August 26th at 6.30, we've got our family movie night, and that is Bad Guys. It looks pretty funny. My kids are asking to go, so we will be there, and we will see you there. That is August 26th at 6.30 p.m. We'll have popcorn. It'll be a good time. Um, also... Uh, August 21st, we'll have another worship jam night. That's going to be on a Wednesday evening. Um, that's also at 6.30, and we're just get together. Um, it, bring instruments if you have them. If not, you're welcome to come and sing along, and we'll just do some worship and hang out together and have fun. So that'll be August 21st at 6.30 p.m. Lastly, One More Youth is going to be starting back up Yay, not the school year is getting going. That's going to be September 7th, and that'll be at 6 p.m. That's for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to getting the youth group back in action again and having fun with all the kids. So that's what's going on at the Vineyard. Let's get ready for church. Woo! I have, I have one job, and I kind of forgot it, time-wise. Okay. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Glad to have you. We're getting ready to worship here. It was awesome earlier. Happy to do that with you. Then we're back into the fight, uh, which is our series, and today we're looking at the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11. Get your Bibles. Get a coffee. Get ready. Here we go. Woo! Good morning. Welcome to church. You guys sound really awake today. Yeah, that was a good one. Nice. It's not often you get like a full body response there. Usually everyone's just like, uh, hey. <laughs> so, so great, great job with that on this lovely Sunday morning. My watch says it's 88 degrees outside. Sounds like a, like a hot day. A little cool. Yeah. <laughs> hot, cold, whatever you're feeling. It's all good. Let me tell you what we will be up to today, how we do church here. We start our services with communion, and Chaplain Doug will be leading us in that ordinance. After communion, we have our time of worship. It's going to be a a great time. We'll, We'll sing praise to the Lord. After that, Pastor Georgina will come up to teach the children a Bible verse, and then my dad, Pastor Steve, will have a message. It's the fifth part of our series called The Fight. Really good one, Tower of Babel and Genesis and all that good stuff. So before we jump in, let's pray and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather here this morning and and fellowship with one another and worship you, God. Holy Spirit, would you come now and would you fill this place with your presence, Lord? We want to encounter you this morning, God. We want to draw closer to you in our time of worship and in our time studying the word, God. So would you just draw Near God, open our hearts to receive your great and abundant love for us, God. You are just so good, Lord. And Lord, we join with the churches who are all over the world who are proclaiming your gospel with this collect. Lord God, grant to us the desire to always think and do those things that are right so that we who cannot do anything good without you may be able in your strength to live by doing the next right thing through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And Chaplain Doug, would you please celebrate communion for us? On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body. Take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. 
The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter now into our time of worship together, and I'd encourage us all to sing out and lift our voices as we elevate Jesus here in our midst today. We'll see the words pop up on the screen, so it's easy to sing along to. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. This is a great declaration song. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine.
you, Lord, and we are so, so thankful for this time of worship in your presence, God. You're so good to us, Lord. We love you. We worship you. And Lord, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, anoint the words that are spoken to us, God. Use those words to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those working with our precious children. God, anoint them, give them everything that they need to show all the children your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. And amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, boys and girls. How are you? Hi, Patrick. Hi. So today's Bible story comes to us from First Kings. Hi. Oh my goodness. From First Kings, um, which is in the Old Testament part of the Bible, and our story tells us that King Solomon, right, is the king now. And if you remember last week, God gave King Solomon great wisdom, right? And now, one day, Solomon decides that it's time to build God a temple. You see, before this, right, ever since God took God's people from Egypt, he dwelt with them in a tent, right? So now they were going to build him a temple. And that was going to be a big, big job. Many people were needed, right? Some had to cut cedar logs. Others had to cut big stone blocks, right? And they had to lay the foundation, right? Which is the bottom of the temple. And then they built the outside of the temple, right? And God promised Solomon that he would, if, if Solomon obeyed him, he would keep his promise that he made to his father, David, and that he will be with his people and never leave them, okay? Okay, guess how long it took to build a temple? It was less than 10 years, but more than five years. Give me a number. Seven. <gasps> so smart. Good job. Seven. Yes, seven years. Yes, it was seven years, right? And the temple had many rooms, and inside were panels with flowers, carved on them. Isn't that beautiful? But guess what? And the whole inside of the temple was covered in pure gold. I know. And then all of the furniture, like the chairs that some people are sitting on, and bowls and everything was made out of bronze. Amazing, right? Well, the time had come. Finally, the temple was finished. So King Solomon gathered all of the leaders together, right? And then the ark of God was brought into the temple by the priests. And as they were doing that, Solomon and, and the other people were giving sacrifices to the Lord to thank him, right? And then when the, 
when the priests left the temple, you'll never imagine what will happen. A cloud descended, and it wasn't hovering. It went inside the temple and covered it. God's glory was in the cloud. That was like a visible presence of the Lord with his people. Isn't that amazing? And that caused Solomon to say, praise God. He has kept his promise to my father David, right? That I would build him a temple. And then Solomon stood in front of the altar of God and in front of everyone and he raised his hands and looked up and said our Bible verse for today from 1 Kings 8.23. Lord, the God of Israel, he said, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. And then Solomon told the people, Love the Lord with all your heart, right? And obey him. And the people went home happy because God had been so good to them. The temple, guys, was where God met with his people and the maker of heaven and earth. He wants to be with us. Did you know that? He wants to be with you, right? And part of God's plan to save us from our sins included sending Jesus to earth. To be with his people. Isn't that amazing? I know. I'm so happy about that. Okay. So now we're going to say the Bible verse together. You ready? You repeat after me, okay? 1 Kings 8.23. 1 Kings 8.23. Good. Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, the God of Israel. There is no God like you. There is no God like you. In heaven above. Or an earth below. Yeah. <laughs> you who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. Excellent job. Good job. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Can you guys help me do something? We're going to sing Happy Birthday. It's 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 Alice's birthday. So you guys help me sing. You ready? She's 25. She told me. Because we've been married almost 40 years, so that math gets weird. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to birthday to you. All right, Pastor Gordine is going to pray for you, and then you can go to Children's Church. All right, very good. You guys ready to pray? Okay, so let's bow our heads and close our eyes, okay? Ready? Good job. Father in heaven, we are so grateful, Lord God, for the amazing run after us love that you have for us, God. I pray that the 
kids, Lord, will understand what it is that you want to be with them, Lord God. I pray that they will know it in their hearts, Lord God, and it will stay with them forever and ever. And Lord God, I just pray for Miss Alice, Lord God. I just thank you for her, Lord, and all that she does for us, Lord God, and, and the amazing support and love that she gives to Pastor Steve, God. And Father, I just pray that you let her know today, Lord God, how cherished she is, how loved she is, and just make her cup overflow. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Awesome, guys. Good job. Go have fun in children's church. Thank you, Pastor Georgina. Happy birthday. Once again, your gift is me. Oh, you highly favored among women. That's what you think. All of us, all of our kids, all our grandkids, all our kids are going to my favorite restaurant after church. Yes. El Cibine. So if yeah. you haven't been there, check it out. Yeah. They're going to think you just invited them. That's a no. Just give me a head count so I can make the reservation. That's a, that's a no. Um. <laughs> uh, here we go. Welcome to the vineyard. If you're a fr- <laughs> going to be a whole lot of separate checks going on. <laughs> okay. Um, if you're a first-time guest, that code is for you. Point your smart device at it. You will get a link to our digital connect card, name, phone number, email address. We'll email and text you over the next five or six weeks, and uh, appreciate you doing that. If you, We have a gift for you, too, first-time guest. Guest services, if you didn't get one on the way in, stop by on the way out. That would be great. Praying for our neighbors is a big deal, something I ask you to do every day. And then when we gather, we do it corporately to sort of, you know, hang on and remember. So think about a couple of your neighbors. Just kind of get them in your mind's eye and let's go to the Lord. Papa, we pray for our neighbors. We lift them up to you. We ask God that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways, that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us, God, to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep it up. Huge praying. That's like the thing. We are continuing on in a series we're calling The Fight. It's all about spiritual battle. And uh, I got this today. It looks like our thing. Did you see that? Isn't that cool? And then if you're falling asleep, I can do this. But no one's going to fall asleep when I'm speaking. Yes, there you go. Um, Let's get to the jokes because I want to hop in and I don't want to pause and stop. And these are really bad. Thank you. What's the difference between a good pizza joke and a bad pizza joke? The delivery. I'm not doing the taco one. It worked. It didn't work. It was really bad. It was... I'll do this one. Okay, that's even worse. What do you get if you play tug of war with a pig? Pulled pork. Some of you knew. Oh, he knew that one. That was better than the taco joke. Well, you... Last time you went into how to make a taco, which was weird. (laughs) 
So, yeah. yeah so we're not we doing that this time. That <laughs> we're still we're learning. We're going to move into the scripture reading. We are works in progress. And pray Thank for you. us again, please. Thank you for coming back each week. Okay, let's press into Papa, shall we, before we read the word. Lord, you are so, so good to us. And we are so keenly aware <laughs> Lord, that you walk with us, that you know every hair on our head, and so you know every worry, every burden, every joy. Father, I pray that we as your people could be conduit to love each other the way you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you please stand for the reading of the word? As promised, the text is the Tower of Babel. It's Genesis 11, and the verses are 1 through 9. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. Okay, so this is my third time with this message, and I want to I want to set it up because I'm gonna I'm just letting you know right up off the bat there's a lot of information coming at you in the next 22 minutes or so a lot, and you say well why are you putting so much in there man throughout this part of this series where ultimately where I want to get is to talk about spiritual battle. Okay, that's the whole, that's how it started, that's what was laid on my heart, and uh, I want to talk about the armor of God and prayer and what we're doing. But the reality is we often don't know why we're engaged or who the spiritual battle that we're in is really against, and we don't know how the players got in the room, if you would, and we don't know how all these things sort of fit together, and I felt very strongly we need to take some time and we need to build that out, and that's what we're doing right now, so that... At the end of this, when we start talking about the armor of God and prayer, you understand who the battle is really against. And we're going to get them into the picture today. But it is never against people. Our warfare is not against flesh and blood. And I would say that far too often in the church, because we don't get the players right in the room, we start going after flesh and blood. And it doesn't have the impact that we should be having in the spiritual fight. We have these amazing weapons. We have the fruit of the Spirit. We have everything we need to engage in this battle in a way that makes a difference now in the world. And so we need to understand what's going on better, I think, so that we can engage. So hang with me 
And uh, we were laughing because I like to, like if, if we're going to watch a show or something and it's been on like four seasons, say, I need to go back to season one and get backstory. I can't start in season four. If it's got 26 seasons, I still need to go back to season one even before it was in HD. I got to watch those because I want backstory because there's so much going on. Well, when I come into a message like this, there's a lot of backstory that I feel like I need to bring back in. So I'm hoping that you've got some of it. I'm going to go real quick with the main parts of the backstory, which might seem too long, but it's all really good. So, so far what we've said, I'm going quickly now, is that we have trouble. We read the Bible, we often read it, and we try and make it work for our cultural worldview today, our mindset. And the Bible was written for us, but it was written to people 3,000, 2,000 years ago. And they had a different way of looking at things. That's great. They're not, it's not we're smarter than them, or it's just we have different information than they had. They had a different way of looking at it. What we're tasked with now is when we read the Bible, we need to read it with some understanding of how they were reading it, their mindset. Because that's how it's written. It's divinely inspired literature. It's not a science book. It's not a rule book. It doesn't read like most books that you read. Um, It's not completely chronological. Um, Because it's poetic in a lot of ways, they'll put pieces together from here and over there. And don't get all hung up. If you read something and say, well, didn't I just read that? It's usually being expanded belongs back in the spot. So we've been going after this. And, and I sort of said that the main parts are, listen, heaven and earth were created. Think of them as, as realms, all right, or spaces. It's a divine space and a human space. God's heart is to have them overlap. And that's what we see happening in Eden, in cosmic temple. And he talks about us as imagers, that's his human family, and he introduces us to the Elohim, that's his spiritual family, that's the little e that you need to be aware of. They're, they're angels sometimes are referred to, but they're also referred to as sons of God. They're little g gods that pop up in the text. So when you read in the Old Testament, little g gods, it's talking about this spiritual family. God's heart was for us to all hang out together and enjoy one another. We're going to make a difference here on this planet. Uh, the plan goes... I always want to say go south, and I don't think that's fair, because we live in the south. The plan goes north. And... Uh, Things happen. And, but every, when God created beings, he wanted, he wanted beings that he could be in relationship with who choose to be in relationship with him. And so he makes them like God, lesser than, but like him, gives us his attributes. Probably the biggest thing that we got was the ability to make choices ourselves. And, and because God wants people who choose him and beings that choose him. And if there isn't alternative choices, you can't really love and obey God. You just can't. You have to have choices. And unfortunately, all of us as human family have made poor choices in some of the Elohim. That's where evil comes in. So now you know sort of the players that are in the room, all right? And why evil is there in the first place and what's going on. So quickly, uh, the main stories up to now. These 11 chapters, first 11 chapters of Genesis, there are three rebellions, each resulting in a covenant. Uh, and covenant, they talked about it in one of the kids' verses today. That's, God keeps covenants way better than we do. We never, we never hold up our end. God always holds up his end. That's where verses like, even when we are faithless, he is faithful, begin to happen. He holds up his end of the covenant. The first thing that happens is the fall. At the fall, one of the Elohim don't, decides he doesn't like God's plan to have a human family. He liked things the way they were. 
God and the Elohim. All is well. Why are you doing this? We don't want them around. And so he decides that if he can get the representative humans to do what they shouldn't, then hopefully God will just wipe them out and say, bad plan, never mind. And so we have the events of the fall where Satan comes, tempts Adam and Eve. They they fall into the sin. Huge consequences. They're kicked basically out of God's house, if you would. Uh, it impacts all future people that are born. We're, we're cut off. Now there's a way back. We have that now in Jesus. But things are drastically changed. And in Genesis 3, the result of that, there's this... Adamic covenant, and most people want to get all the bad stuff in there, but the heart of that is Genesis 3.15, which I call the crimson thread of redemption, that, that there's a, there's, part of the plan is already there, he'll crush his head, he'll crush your heel, all those things, it's pointing to Jesus, and it's going to come through uh, Eve's line. So, we get to the next sort of quick phase of ha- what's happening, and we talked about this last week, that's the flood, it's another rebellion. So instead of going and spreading out over the earth, we see pretty quickly Genesis 4, Genesis 5. They're not doing that. They're hanging out. Um, and, and we have engaged by the time we get to Genesis 6, those verses where it begins to talk about giants and Nephilim. And I told you when we talked about it last week, most people skip over that. But they're, they're, what's going on behind the flood, why there's a flood, why that even happens, is that... The Nephilim are the byproduct of Elohim, spiritual family, seeing beautiful women of, of earth, of human family, and, and making children with them, creating something different, something that's not supposed to be, and they're called Nephilim or giants. And the Nephilim and giants then continue this process, and they break humanity as it would. The, the, the effects are on humanity that the heart of people are evil, the thoughts are evil, 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 the way that verse is, I had you look at last week, only evil all the time, has to be dealt with. And so the flood is the result of that. And uh, we talked about, so all of that's in your, go read, go watch last week, the flood happens, and I said it's a cosmic reset. So, but we have the covenant with Adam there in in place. Um, So, in Genesis 1, we see how the waters cover the earth and the dry land pops out in creation. What's going to happen in Genesis 6 is the flood, waters cover the earth again. And um, then over time, the dry land comes back out as the rain recedes. But God keeps his covenant that he made with Adam and Eve um, by keeping a representative family alive that he can work with. That's Noah, Noah's wife. And, and Noah's sons and their wives. And also all the animals on the ark. You need to sort of think of the ark. This is another cool way to think. It's like a floating Eden. It's like a floating Garden of Eden. It floats. He keeps it. So he's not got to start. With, he keeps this and then it settles back down. They get the same sort of instruction. Listen, go and, and spread out on the earth. Make more people. And that's how we're going to do this thing. Well, uh, they don't do that either. It's, it's, it's still not doing what they're supposed to do. And by the time we get to the events in uh, Genesis 11, what we find is that people haven't scattered. They, they decided they like hanging out. They don't want to do God's thing, which is to go multiply, spread out over the earth. In fact, they're fighting hard against it. Look in uh, verse 1. The whole earth had one language in the same words up to this point. They, they could all you know talk and hang out. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They, they were supposed to keep moving, and they don't. And that's Babylon. 
And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen, tar, for mortar. And they listen when they say, come, let us build ourselves a city. We know that God's got a city planned for us down there, but we don't want to wait for God. We don't want to do it his way. We want to do it our way. Let's build ourselves a city and a tower. Let's go ahead and we're going to make our own way to connect uh, heaven and earth. We're going to do it ourselves. We don't need God. We're going to make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Uh, uh, Otherwise, we're going to have to do what God wants and we don't want to do that. So we're going to stop. We're going to make a stand. We're going to build a tower. We're going to do it ourselves. We don't need God. That's rebellion. That's what's happening. All right, everybody with me so far? Okay. So I had Alice read the scripture, and you know that um, something's going to happen. God's going to come, and he's going he's to mess up language. That's why it's called Babel. They don't understand each other. And he is going to spread them over the earth. He's going to make that happen. Instead of this one representative whole that God has been dealing with, now what he's going to do is he's going to spread them into nations, and they're going to be separated by language and geography. So everything is going to be different from now on. It's the division of humankind. And uh, I love this as Alice was reading uh, in, in Genesis. Let me go back. I'm going to impress you and not put my glasses on. <laughs> Verse 7. There it is. Come, he says. Let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Now, if you remember last week or the week before, there was this other thing that I read in Genesis where it says, let us make man in our own image. And I said, for most people think, they read that, and they think it's a reference to Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And there's, there's far better reference. I don't think it is because we've introduced to you since then the council of little G gods, the spiritual family that hangs out with God that he, he involves in the process. God partners with beings to do things. He doesn't need to. He wants to with them and with us. And so when he says, let us go down, he's talking to the spiritual family. We've got to go down and we've got to fix this. This is a problem. We're going to see later on. Do you know that the, the opposite of what happens at the Tower of Babel, do you know where it is in the Bible, the exact opposite? Pentecost. Good job. What happens at Pentecost? Holy Spirit comes, and all of a sudden they can understand one another. And there's something in that that sets the stage for battle because there's a unity, there's a oneness. God is saying here, listen, if people had the right motive and connected on the right thing together, they could accomplish anything. But if they're twisted and they're doing things that they shouldn't do, we've got to stop that because that's a problem. That's what's going on here. But don't worry, we're coming back to Pentecost. And Holy Spirit comes. I often think this, this when the languages change like that, it was like... At the same time, this, this, this everything changed once again for these people. You know, like I think after the fall, everything changed for Adam and Eve. And now, now you get this whole, everything's changing again. God is going to deal with humanity differently. And we find out some more information about this. Now, I told you to read Genesis 10. Genesis 10 talks, is the table of nations. This is where it gets a little geeky. I'm sorry. Hang with me. Genesis 10. I know it's before Genesis 11, but the Bible isn't written chronologically. Genesis 11 is the reason for the table of nations that happens in Genesis 10. And in Genesis 10, you'll see that what gets set up is 70 nations. Go read Genesis 10 if you haven't. 70 nations. And that's the division of humankind that happens as a result of the Tower of Babel. 
Now, in Deuteronomy, we have a couple of verses that really point to this and give us information. And you think, well, this is a Genesis event. We get information in Deuteronomy? Yes. Why? Deuteronomy is a lot of review about what's happening. Remember all these five. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy are written by Moses, uh, mostly. And God is dealing with Moses. And you know when the human authors write scripture, it's not like they get knocked out by God and then he has them write and they wake up and go, what did I write? That's not how the Bible, that's not inspired. He works, he, he, God partners with people. He's done it and he continues to do it. Read the Bible, almost everything that happened, God is partnering with people to make things happen. That's the heart of God. All right, so we have in Deuteronomy, Moses giving more information to what happened at this point in time in the Tower of Babel. This is out of the NIV. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, that was what he just talked about, he set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people and Jacob his allotted inheritance. So we get some information there. And in that table of nations of 70, Israel isn't listed. We'll get to that in just a moment. But in that passage, uh, it's interesting, but he says it's divided among the sons of Israel. And we, we have an idea of why that happened. I'll get to that in a minute. But let me read it to you out of the ESV. Uh, and in the ESV, it says, When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance where he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. That's a lot different. And it changes the story from, from what you're reading. Because you know who those sons of God are, right? They're not. They're the... The Elohim, they're the spiritual family that we've been dealing with. They're getting involved in this story, and it's important that you get them involved because they're the ones that we're fighting against now. They're the ones that the battle is against. But the Lord's portion is his people, and Jacob, his allotted heritage. So which one is it, and what do we do with that? And how could we have different sort of ideas going on, and, and what, what does that mean? Good questions. So... Uh, You're welcome. Thank you for. I love the questions. The Old Testament. We have we have two sort of main uh, translations, if you would, of the Old Testament. One is known as the Masoretic text, that's in Hebrew, and one is known as the Septuagint, that's in Greek. It's the Greek Old Testament. Um, and they're and unfortunately, this has caused conflict in the body. The enemy always wants to divide believers. He'll use whatever he can, even the texts. And so, well, what's going on? All right, well, the Masoretic text would be Hebrew, and it's the basis of most of our translations, not all of them, and it's perfectly fine. It's a great text. Some differences would be, though, that it was really cleaned up and polished up in the 8th and ninth centuries. We almost lost Hebrew as a language in the world. It got real, real scarce. But by the 8th or ninth century, it rebounded, and they, they worked on the scrolls, and they put it together, and, and we have then the basis of the Masoretic text. The Masoretic text is what the King James is based on in the Old Testament, and there has been for years conflict over that the, you have to read the King James because they're the only one that's got it right. I want to say this. If you love the King James, God bless you. That's cool. But, but you don't have... You, all. There's good things in all of the translations that you can take if you hold it in context with the story. The Septuagint is actually uh, 
The versions we have are older than we have the Masoretic text because the Septuagint was done B.C., two or three hundred years before Christ, because the Greeks had taken over everything and everything was being translated into Greek. And so that's what we have with the Septuagint. It was most likely what people were reading at the time of Jesus and even what the guys are reading because a lot of the uh, verses that we have in the New Testament are coming out of the Septuagint. Not all of them, they're coming out of both. You, you don't need to make hard, fast choices. Well, it's this or that. It's, it's, yes, read it. Read it in context. See what's going on. And in this particular verse that I gave you in Deuteronomy 32, um, that sort of really got heightened into that second version being the one, the second, the, the one out of the ESV, because of the Dead Sea Scrolls. You ever heard, most of you have heard of those. The Dead Sea Scrolls are the amazing find of literature that goes back to that second temple period. It's been hanging around. They had it. They found it in a cave. And the reading there is it was a division of the sons of God. Uh, so in the Masoretic text, what it looks like is people in the eight, nine centuries after the time of Christ who had been dispersed and all over, they couldn't connect with this story of the Elohim doing what they were doing. And so the the word in Hebrew can be translated a couple of different ways, and their context was what they must be talking about was that Jacob had these 70 people in his family when he went down to Egypt. That's where the 70 has to come from. But the Septuagint would tell us, no, this division is about, and these they're given authority to Elohim. That's what's happening. Here's how I think the story works. So you've seen rebellions already. You've seen the one at the fall, and we got the Adamic covenant. You've seen the one that happened in the flood. We got the covenant with Noah. We're going to keep this thing going. We get to this third rebellion, and what's going on there is that the people have decided it was a slap against God. We're not going to do what you want. And God says, fine, if you're not going to do it the way I want it, then, then what I need to do is get some distance from us. And so I'm going to put you nations under the authority of some of the Elohim. Seventy of them, little sons of God, they're going to take over all you people who don't want to be with me. And they'll be in charge. They, they weren't necessarily corrupt when it started, but the Bible tells us that over time, all of them were corrupted. They all began to do things they shouldn't. And if you go into the Psalms and read in Psalm 82, you'll see that God has to deal with these Elohim once again. And some of this is future because they're still around, but their day is coming. God has taken his place in the divine council. You're all right with that now. God hangs out with his spiritual family. In the midst of the gods, before you had this foundation, that might have weirded you out. What do you mean, gods? Isn't there just one God? Yes, one big God, El Elohim, but the spiritual family are sometimes little g gods. It means their address is in the divine realm. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. This is what God says to them. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. That's what God wants these Elohim. That's how he wants them to rule the nations. Do it justly. Do it well. I don't want you. What are you doing? But they've been corrupted. The, the, The people have neither knowledge or understanding. They walk about in darkness, all the foundations of the earth are shaken. And so I said, God says to them, you are gods, little g, sons of the most high, part of the spiritual family, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. The judgment will be they lose their immortality for what they've done. Arise, O God, this is what's coming, judge the earth for you shall inherit all the nations. God will inherit 
all the nations. How does he do it? Well, the plan starts happening in Genesis 12, and it's Abram. All right, I know this is a lot. Hang with me. I'm almost done giving you information, but it gets really good. So right after we read about the Tower of Babel, we move into Genesis 12, we're introduced to Abram. Abram and Sarah... Uh, Abram is a uh, wanderer, a nomad, basically. He's, um, they're older. They have no children. God's going to work with a childless wanderer to start a whole nation because that's what he's going to do. He splits everybody into these 70 nations. They're known as Gentiles. And Gentile basically means not Israel. And he's going to start over with one nation for himself to work things out. That will be Israel. It starts with Abram. The Lord said to Abram, he'll become Abraham. What he's missing right now is the I like to think of that as the breath of God. So, but he meets him as Abram. It gets cool. Don't worry. Go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land. I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And, and so God starts with this couple that doesn't look like a great choice because what's going to happen will definitely be God. It's going to be a miracle how he's going to work things out. And so he appears to Abram and says, this is what's going to happen. I'm starting over with you. I guess he's got to keep in mind the covenant he made with Adam and the covenant that he made with Noah. And so he's going to, he can't wipe everybody out all over again. So he said, look, put you under the charge of the Elohim. I'm going to work with this one nation. But don't worry, he doesn't give up on the Gentiles. He's going to make a way back for them. God loves people. Nothing changes from the heart of God for a human family throughout the journey. You're going to have a son, Abram. Abram's hanging out for a while, doesn't believe it. I love, if you read the stories of Abram, uh, he makes a lot of bad choices. And yet God still loves him, and he's still in the book. Do you know why that's good news? You make a lot of bad choices. And God never gives up on you either. The heroes of our faith, every one of them made horrific choices. And they're the heroes, because God loves them. That's really good news. Um, Where was I? Did I start that yet? After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is in your own flesh and blood, who is your own flesh and blood, will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him his righteousness. Now, Abraham believes, but he's still going to go and do all sorts of things that he shouldn't until we get to Isaac, who's the son. But but the promise is going to take place. It's going to happen. Isaac's going to come. And through what he does, through Abram's family, comes the promise, I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse and listen. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The way back for everybody is ultimately through Israel. And, and representative Israel is Jesus. And, and so remember that last verse about his offspring, you won't be able to count them. Now, last verse of the day, Galatians 3. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. When you come to know Jesus, you're the children of God. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ, there's no longer Israel or Gentile. 
There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. That's you guys. That's why he couldn't count them. That's us. That's us, and us continuing to move forward. And the church uh, now is the representative, and we make a way back for people to know God. But we have to engage in the right way in this battle. So that's why all this is so important that I need you to hang on to it and just mull on it for a little while. So, so the battle isn't against flesh and blood. They're not the problem. They're the ones who need Jesus if they don't know Jesus. The battle is against these evil rulers that are behind them. And when Paul talks about powers and principalities and rulers, that's who he's talking about. Corrupted Elohim who are behind everything on the planet that's evil. They exist. That's the focus of our battle. That's where our weapons work. And, and we get that focus right, and then we love people well so that they can come back into race, relationship with God, which is God's heart. Okay, I'm done. So uh, that's a lot, I know, but hopefully you can take some of that in. And next week, don't worry, next week, Jesus is coming. <laughs> that would be really cool if that was prophetic, but... He is coming in our deal next week. We're going to build on that. Ministry team, please head over there. And uh, folks are there if you need prayer for anything. And um, listen, my, my hope, look, is that, that reading the Bible isn't a chore. It's exciting. That when you begin to see how it's written and how it's connected and what's going on and how amazing it is that we have it, you'll go, ooh, what happens next? And you can hardly wait. And look how this ties to that. That's my hope. But you're invited into this story. That's the heart of God. He, offspring. He, that's who he wants. And, and the way that we respond to the invitation is we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. That's how this starts. And you pray that, Lord, will you, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. And when you do that, then Holy Spirit comes and everything begins to change. If you've never done it, oh, please do it today. Do it right now. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? And everything begins for you there. It's the best decision you will ever make in your life. Amen. Good. Good sermon, honey. Lots of meat. We'll digest it. It'll take us a week to digest. Um, as Steve was talking about being the, the writers of the the scriptures were inspired, the gifts of the Spirit are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I just have one little thing, and I hesitate to share it, but I'm going to anyway. I saw someone praying, and it's a gentleman, and you don't have any hair on your head. You're bald, and you're praying, and you're pouring out your heart to the Lord, and your cares, and your worries, and they are many. And the Lord said, the ones you need to, your cares and the worries that you need to really stress about they number the hairs on your head <laughs> so yeah 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 so there you go and you'll there's something about being not having hair on your head that, that that's going to resonate with you you're going to know that this is from from the lord and that was for you so yeah i like it do you i do i know it's not for me because i got I do have kind of a five head now that I didn't used to have, but <laughs> let's move along. <laughs> Thank you, church, for uh, your faithfulness to giving, your, your being cheerful givers, for being generous, love partnering with you.
and uh, so cool that we can make a difference together here uh, for our community. Let's sing uh, doxology, and then we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. Prayer is over there if you need it. Some, there's some folks who probably could really use a little prayer today. So just an encouragement. Don't just go, ah, they're too busy. Some of you really need to have somebody pray for you today. Make that happen. These doors will be open for those of you that are going. It still not look real sunny, but maybe it's peeking out. Anyway, make the best of it. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Be kind. Let's all work on that. Kindness. Boom, right up here. And uh, that would be great. God bless you guys. Thanks for watching online. And uh, God bless you. Uh, next week. Jesus is coming, as I said. We're going to look at some verses. Which he, uh, so cool. I love all this stuff. We're, we're heading towards engaging in the battle. And so just keep on pressing on. But you know what? What? One more sermon. Yes. And then. Then we get to go to El Sibine. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Pick a deal. We're just so food motivated. Yeah, I know. Right. Well, love you guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>